Welcome to CoachCast from IECL by GrowthOps. CoachCast is a source of knowledge, insight, and wisdom for coaches and leaders looking to go further. In our podcasts, we take an immersive dive into the minds of extraordinary people and bring you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and influential coaches and thought leaders. Today, our host, Renee Holder, will be speaking with Gabrielle Schroeder, Gabrielle is the director of IECL and the group director for coaching and leadership at GrowthOps. She leads a practice that specializes in developing human potential. Gabrielle has had a successful business career spanning 25 years, most recently in a variety of leadership roles with the Australian Institute of Company Directors, or AICD. As an experienced director and practice lead, she has advised boards and executive teams, helping companies govern for growth, drive performance, and achieve sustained value. Immediately prior to joining IECL, Gabrielle was the head of the AICD's board advisory practice, a practice she built from the ground up. Fellow and graduate of AICD, fellow of the National Heart Foundation of Australia, Chair of the New South Wales Cardiovascular Research Network and a committee member of the 30% Club in Australia, an international working group dedicated to improving diversity on boards. Let's welcome them both. So, Gabrielle, welcome. Thank you for joining us today, IECL Coachcast. It's great to have you here as a guest. Thank you, Renee. It's great to be here. So, you have a unique set of experience and insight into boards. What do you see are the current challenges and pressures on directors? Um, uh, great question. Uh, clearly, the uh, Royal Commission has had, I think, a significant impact on uh, the world of governance and, and boards. And, um, you know, I think um, boards are really struggling at this point to uh, reorient around uh, what is becoming yeah, a much greater level of uh, understanding and uh, knowledge uh, in our community around what good governance is and should be. Um, and therefore, boards are having to really respond to um, rising community expectations around that role. Um, the Royal Commission, particularly the Hain Royal Commission, uh, has brought to the fore um, some real expectations on um, the part of consumers um, in particular around uh, the board's role in uh, governing for uh, culture and behaviours and the decisions that uh, employees make in their organisation. And if you think about the role of the board, the board is supposed to be independent of uh, management and the organisation. Um, it can be very difficult to, to grasp how boards might actually execute on uh, controlling for behaviours in an organisation. And so um, one of the things that I'm quite interested in is, is kind of marrying the worlds of governance and coaching. Uh, and I do believe that coaching has uh, a really significant role to play in helping boards to navigate that quite, you know, paradoxical challenge. Mm. Could you expand on that a little further in terms of talking to how you feel that good governance leads to good performance? So interestingly, we um, uh, when I was at AICD, it's a couple of years ago now, we uh, conducted a, a piece of research, um, quite a serious piece. We had 100 chairs, chairmen, who uh, were interviewed one-on-one um, -on -one for a period of one to two hours, asking exactly that question, when does good governance lead to um, better organisational performance? Um, and uh, we coded the responses and, and came up with a couple of really interesting uh, findings. So um, the first 
finding, which was quite novel at that time, was that governance was perceived by the chairman as a team activity. Uh, and the team was not just confined to the board, but in fact it was the board and the executive team. And when chairman described where governance was working at its peak, so working really well, um, was when uh, the board and the executive team um, had four key attributes at play. So the first was uh, that for individuals, directors and executives, uh, each were bringing an independence of mind to decision-making. So previously we thought about independence in a structural sense, so directors being quite distant um, from the organisation um, physically and in terms of their relationship commercially. Uh, so, you know, this this is uh, quite an interesting kind of development. You know, what does independence mean? Um, well, in fact, it's the independence of the mind uh, in terms of decision-making. Um, the second was uh, diversity of views. So um, good decision-making, um, you know, benefits from different perspectives, different lenses. Uh, and, you know, when those came to the fore, you know, that really helped to drive a better performance and decision-making outcome. The third was an openness to alternate views. So a genuine um, ability to be able to suspend judgment uh, and to be able to change one's views, uh, you know, in light of um, a better alternative. But all of those things couldn't come to the fore unless there was uh, an underpinning of trust. Mm. Uh, and, of course, we've seen that play out in the in the consequent years. Uh, this study was about 2015. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and so the deficit of trust uh, obviously has uh, the uh, reverse impact in terms of decision-making. So I think that um, for um, boards today, um, those four traits and how the board builds a relationship with the executive maintaining independence but equally building high levels of trust um, is really critical, particularly in times of high change and, and I think most organisations would say that they are in periods of fairly significant change at this point. Mm. Fascinating. Thank you. And on the topic of diversity and, and different perspectives uh, and building trust, I'm curious to understand your perspective on a recent gender diversity report by AICD which highlighted a drop in the number of women on boards. Why is it that we still have this issue and, in fact, it seems to be a worsening issue? It is, it is I think, a real challenge. I mean, if I go back 10 years uh, when we really started to look at the issue of diversity. Um, prior to that, um, you know, boards were largely an homogenous group, um, you know, and there was very little diversity, certainly in terms of gender diversity, uh, you know, apparent and in place in uh, organisations of ASX 200 companies. And um, and part of that reason, I think, and this is just from, from my role and being... Um, you know, in close proximity to, to boards, uh, was that um, when, you, when you're building a board, when a chairman and, and directors are building a board, one of the key things is to ensure that the board operates in a, a very stable manner. So uh, there are factors at play to make sure that, you know, the board can operate effectively. And so when organisations are in periods of high stress, um, that, you know, there is an, a level of predictability around how the board 
will respond and how individual directors will respond. So I think there was an almost an, an unconscious bias and there's been a lot of research since then to prove that that's the case, um, where, you know, there was a, a sort of a selection bias around, you know, people that look like me, that, you know, that are part of my networks. You know, I will, I'll pick um, Joe because I know how he will react in a certain circumstance and because my primary aim is to make sure that the company... Uh, you know, is stewarded well through periods of high stress. Um, you know, I'm, I'm picking a board that, you know, that really will be able to deliver that. Um, and so I think that's kind of how it had played out. So I don't necessarily think it was a, a conscious thing. I think it was more of an unconscious thing. And it wasn't really until we started to challenge the notion of what um, a good board looks like and, and what is the best makeup of a board for best decision making that the perspective of um, the composition of the board started to shift. And we have seen quite a significant impact uh, in terms of um, females on boards. Our target as part of the 30% club is or was 30% of female directors on ASX 200 companies by the end of 2018. We didn't quite reach that. Um, we got close, 29, I think, 0.7. Um, but of course, now we're seeing um, some slide. And so and maybe that is because uh, of the kind of challenging environment that we're operating in and maybe there is this unconscious bias slipping back in. So we really need to continue to be very vigilant to make sure that boards are critically assessing who is around the table, what is the skill set that we need today and into the future and making sure that those decisions are, you know, are best supported through, as we said, um, a clear diversity of views and perspectives. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And... What role do you see coaching might play in terms of improving board performance? I think it's got um, a real role to play, particularly given, you know, our current context. So I'll preface this by, I guess, some other findings in in this research, uh, which I find fascinating. Um, One of the things that um, we did determine with the chairman that we interviewed was that uh, good governance is situational. So it really depends on where the organisation is in its current life cycle. And the way that we use to kind of make sense of different phases of a business and and its life cycle um, was to actually look at um, the study of ecology. So ecology looks at natural systems and how natural systems um, survive in periods of stability and periods of disruption. And uh, the um, ecologist that we studied was a a fellow by the name of C.S. Holling. And uh, and he identified four stages of um, ecology that is applied to businesses. Um, The first is conservation. So in conservation, Uh, The organisation is very stable. Um, There uh, is a real focus on efficiencies. Um, You know, there is a um, progressively a greater degree of interdependence uh, within the business, um, which is very good for a period of time. But as those interdependencies become more uh, apparent, um, of course, the the organisation itself becomes more fragile. Um, So a disruption in one part of the business then has a more catastrophic Uh, impact on another part of the business. So um, uh, in any given uh, life cycle, um, after a period of conservation, there is always a release. So this is unavoidable. Um, If you think about bushes and bushfires and what have you, there's there's a constant kind of evolution around, uh, um, you know, ecology and how it treats itself through life cycles, same as organisations. So the next phase is um, a period of release. So this is a period of high instability. 
um, where, you know, the organisation is disrupted. You know, it might be a new competitor, it might be a a hostile takeover, it might simply be the wrong leadership at the wrong time. Uh, and of course, there's a different kind of um, capability that's required in the organisation and, and for boards. And the challenge for boards is to make sure that when that release occurs, that the release is managed well and that, you know, there isn't total value destruction through through that process. Um, after the release, um, there is a period of um, reorganisation and this is where you see emergent leadership occur. Um, you know, often there is very little capital to access. Um, different business models need to be re-engineered. Um, what worked in the past will not work in the future. Uh, and so, you know, organisations really need to rely on being able to experiment, test, innovate, be creative. Very different kind of leadership that's required to reorganise a business. Um, and boards need to govern for that and make sure they've got the right leaders at the right time. And then the, uh, the fourth stage, of course, is um, once the reorganisation has occurred, is gearing the organisation up for exploitation. So um, in that stage, uh, organisations are much more strategic. They need clear direction. Uh, they will have more access to capital as it, uh, it makes itself available. Um, and the organisation obviously can traject itself up to a, a new stage of uh, conservation. Uh, at a higher level of value. So uh, in the context of governance, what that means for boards is that boards need to be able to understand three key things. Um, first, um, boards as a collective need to have perspective. So the board needs to understand where the organisation is at any given stage in its life cycle so that it can govern effectively. Um, if it's in a period of conservation, the board would be thinking about uh, what likelihood that there is of a disruption and if it would be better for the business to actually disrupt itself prior to any kind of adverse disruption. Um, that, of course, requires um, a very careful um, governing context um, and very specific types of leadership to be able to, to uh, disrupt and, and enter into a release phase. And you don't want the whole organisation to go into release phase. Often it's just one or two components to make sure it's isolated, but that it can, you know, obviously then start the process of reorganising the business. So perspective is really important and that's where diversity of views, openness to alternatives, independent mindset come in. Um, the second piece is uh, an ability to understand scale. So a decision at one uh, level of the business, what are the implications for another? So it might be a decision at an organisational level and the impacts at a team level. Um, often it can be the impacts at a, an industry level. So if you're a big player, what are the impacts of your decision to the industry as a whole? Um, and as we've seen in GFC, you know, it actually can be, you know, global. In, in that kind of impact. So scale is really important. And the third piece, and probably the, the hardest to be able to build capability around is um, predictability. Um, and again, that's where perspective comes in. So if you think about coaching, so if coaching is about um, you know, being able to tap into and access um, the kind of knowledge that's innate in people, you know, um, built up through years of experience and expertise, uh, that is the thing that will give an organisation in the board context, directors, um, the ability to be able to have perspective, to be able to understand scale, to be able to predict different circumstances based on different decisions. And, you know, I think there is a real need, like particularly when we've got such a high degree of change 
at this point uh, at so many different levels. Coaching to me is uh, one of those you know, critical elements of enabling a board and executive team to be able to perform at their peak. Fabulous. Thank you. You're relatively new still to IECL and growth ops and coaching and leadership is an area that you've quickly come to understand but still exploring. So as you consider future possibilities and, and formulate strategy, where do you start to see your experience from the past 10 years and beyond, which we're starting to get a sense of through this, um, through this conversation? Uh, how do you see that starting to inform your thinking around the next 10 years, the sort of where to from here? Based on my experience, I, I do see a real uh, opportunity uh, for coaching and the discipline of coaching to uh, play a fundamental role in helping boards and executive teams to navigate what is a very difficult and changing circumstance uh, for most organisations at this time. Um, I think there's a, there is an innate challenge in that because uh, obviously a lot of um, what the board deals with is highly confidential uh, and, you know, and, and setting up a, an operating rhythm for a board, you know, it's very kind of intimate in terms of the, the players around the table and making sure that that is something that's, you know, built, you know, with layers of trust. But I think coaching can play um, uh, certainly an in, a role in the individual in terms of helping directors realise their full potential at any given point through a decision-making process. Um, I also think there is a role for coaching in a board team context um, and I think that more and more uh, chairman and boards, you know, are, are looking for ways, you know, to create support mechanisms to help them navigate through, uh, you know, very kind of difficult circumstances. The other thing that I would say is that uh, there is a real natural affinity between uh, coaching and the role of a coach and the role of a chairman. So exactly the same kind of ability to be able to facilitate good decisions um, through great um, uh, interaction and bringing out, you know, those differences of, of perspectives and experiences. Uh, so uh, the chairman as coach, I think, is a, a concept that uh, will become much more prevalent as we, you know, continue to build our knowledge around good governance, what it takes and, you know, and, and how we can best support that as, a, you know, an education institution and an organisation that's committed to um, supporting, you know, executives and boards to, you know, realise the, the full potential of their organisations. Mm. So, Gabrielle, directors are human beings like the rest of us. How might coaching play a role in helping them see themselves more fully and therefore show up differently around the boardroom table? I'm so glad you asked that question, Renee. And I've been contemplating this because in the last uh, few years when I've been working more in an advisory capacity to boards, um, one of the things that I have been exposed to is um, boards in times of crisis. And, uh, you know, I've experienced firsthand the, the impact and the toll that, uh, you know, is taken on directors when they find themselves in the firing line. Uh, and it is it can be devastating. So, yes, absolutely, directors are human. Uh, and I think one of the things that we have... Uh, responsibility for as institutions that educate uh, at that level is to make sure that we're building in resilience and make sure that, you know, we are um, building um, capability and capacity so that those situations are prevented. So I think that one of the things that coaching can do um, 
uh, at an individual level is to really help individuals um, prepare for that. So really understanding, uh, you know, and, and, and having sort of some uh, ability to be able to you know, uh, train for circumstances where you might find yourself in uh, periods of high stress. Um, understand how you show up in those moments. So in those moments, you know, you are most likely, if you're human, to have certain derailments. So some of us, you know, will jump to conclusions or, you know, um, responses, solutions quickly, uh, want to act, um, you know, responses all in the doing but not necessarily giving time for reflection. Others of us might well uh, seek to avoid decisions, you know, and, and sort of, you know, revert to um, a much more insular place. Coaching helps to draw out awareness around how we're likely to react in certain circumstances and you do need an external perspective to help, you know, appreciate, yeah, how I do show up in those situations and then you can train for it. You can you can actually, you know, work through the sorts of things that I need to look out for as part of, you know, my own makeup, address those and make sure that you are acting in the very best interests of the company uh, with your very best uh, ability and a very clear growth mindset at play. In a board setting, it's it's very similar. You know, again, um, we're looking at a dynamic that uh, ensures that there is honesty, transparency, trust, uh, that people feel very confident to be able to voice views, have alternate perspectives, uh, that those pers- perspectives then sit in the middle of the table, they're debated. Uh, and, you know, and, and really there is a, um, a process by which uh, that board can come up with the best decision based on always imperfect information uh, at the time. And the other part of it is, you know, in um, in boards, there is no boss. So uh, chairman doesn't have any um, innate powers above other directors. So one of the things that's um, really important in a board setting is uh, the ability for each director to be able to hold themselves and each other accountable. Uh, And so again, um, coaching can help to create an environment where you've actually got, you know, a group of equals coming together to, you know, to to steward an organisation without hierarchy. And so that there is is this sort of, you know, internal, uh, independent, individual responsibility to make sure that we are all showing up uh, and we are all giving our best. So if everybody is receiving, you know, the support of um, an independent coach to understand how, uh, you know, I need to be the best that I can be and, you know, and, and, and how to make sure that I'm mitigating anything that might prevent me from from being the best that I can be. I've also got more knowledge about how others are showing up, what their derailers might be. And I can, you know, I can uh, make sure that they are, you know, as um, aware of those issues as I am. Mm. As you're speaking now, I'm starting to map some of the things that you're you're talking about around the IECL landscape model, you know, what's going on internally for us, the things that others might not observe, you know, our, our self-talk, our thinking patterns, our values, how that translates to how we show up and our behaviours and how that shows up around the board, the board table, uh, but also those dynamics between people, the relationships and, and um, that dynamic that you describe and also the systems and structures. So you're actually working all your way around the landscape there as, as you talk. I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts might be also on that that connection between the way a board member might work with their own coach and then how that 
you know, the connections between that and then how they show up around the board table and that role of chairman as coach, how those two things might come together. Look, I think there's there's definitely a very significant role for coaching in both of those settings. Uh, in the director setting, I think there are some things that can be certainly done, uh, you know, between the coach and the director, uh, you know, off-site, so away from the board uh, environment. And that's really about, you know, deepening awareness around... Um, you know, my individual capabilities, my experience, my expertise, what what I can draw on to be able to help through, you know, any particular given situation. Um, and, you know, and that can apply whether the organisation is in a period of, of disruption, which is often, you know, when that sort of support is sought. Um, funnily enough, in our, our research, one of the things that the chairman did identify is that it's actually harder to have the, the right conversations uh, when the organisation is in a period of relative stability because when things are all going well, you know, it's easy to be able to just, you know, tick things off and not necessarily have, um, you know, the, the sort of the impetus to challenge, you know, are we actually thinking about things in the right context and, you know, and looking at different, um, you know, different scenarios. Are there weak signals that we need to be paying attention to? You know, where's the next disruption going to occur? Do we need to be thinking about a release scenario? If so, when? How do we manage it? So again, coaching can help, you know, by having those independent sort of curious questions posed outside of the boardroom, can help a director to be able to then, you know, contribute in a much more meaningful way, you know, to bring those sorts of questions to the table, um, you know, uh, and then be able to recognise that actually, yes, this is where we're in, we are in our phase. It is a stable phase, um, but we need to be constantly vigilant around, you know, testing ourselves as to, you know, whether or not there is a disruption of some sort around the corner. In a, a board setting, um, equally, you know, I've, I've actually had a simulated environment where we've had a coach uh, that, you know, has uh, observed the behaviours of the board and then provided individual and board level coaching uh, through a scenario that's, that's a simulated scenario. And and uh, that process was invaluable. Um, in fact, interestingly, the um, the scenario was we we, we were in a, sort of two groups where two boards were set up, um, and we were run over three day pro, pro, program, run through a scenario where a, a listed company was in a state of crisis, and as a board we had to resolve uh, this issue um, and a whole range of other things that sort of came into play as a result, as you can imagine. Two different boards, same scenario. Um, we came to the end of three days and we shared our decision and the decision-making process. Uh, the two boards came up with entirely different uh, outcomes as a result of just the makeup, the nature of the conversation, uh, you know, how uh, issues were raised, what was brought to the fore, what wasn't. Um, polar opposites in, in terms of the decision made. Now, the interesting thing is neither of those decisions are wrong or right. They're just the decisions that were made up by the group. So again, this sort of awareness that coaching can bring around that, I think it's just so critical. Um, it does bring to the fore how important the makeup of the board is and, and you know, and, and the sort of the attention that the board plays on particular uh, aspects and how material that can be to the direction of a company. Uh, and, you know, in having um, the support network of a, of a coach, you know, just helping to guide some of those, you know, other things that might not necessarily be at play, you know, when the board is sort of operating in its, you know, rhythm, um, you know, actually can be um, critical, materially, you know, 
making a difference. Mm. Thank you. Um, really appreciate your time today and being able to share with us your insight into boards. Uh, the connection with the ecology piece uh, I've found really fascinating, so thank you. And and I'm sure our, um, our listeners have of, you know, you've provoked some thinking here in terms of, you know, the, the where to from here and the role that coaching might play. And, and I'm loving this thought around chairman as a coach. Fascinating. Thank you, Gabrielle. Thanks, Renee. It's great to be with you. We hope you liked today's episode. If you'd like to get the next episode automatically, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. Please leave your feedback, questions, and a five-star review. Share this podcast with whoever you think would benefit from the topics we cover. Thank you to our hosts and special guests for the great insights gained in today's episode.